So good afternoon, Bill. And here we are again. Yes, Mark, another great episode, I hope, or not I hope, I know, we'll come up with today because when you introduced our guests, people will understand a little bit more about the retail trade. They will. And and um, I'm really pleased that, that uh, Cameron's agreed, being cajoled, coerced, to come along today. So Cameron Brown from Bra- uh, for Mr. Brand, sorry, welcome. Sorry. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. And um, I, I, I have to declare I've got a slight conflict in that um, I've been working with Cameron and uh, the Brands family for a couple of years now, and um, it's a great story. So, Well, I'll ask the first question. You can ask today. the first right. question. Bill. Okay, Cameron, two, a two-part question. Where were you born and where were you brought up? So in Geelong West, so I was brought up in Geelong West. Hang on, we're in Geelong West today, so you haven't moved very far. (laughs) No, that's right, yeah. I've sort of come full circle, if you like. I've gone and travelled and come back a bit. Um, but yeah, I was born in Geelong and um, grew up on uh, on Maitland Street here in, in Geelong West where um, I was sort of the first 18, 19 years of my life, which was great. And did you go to school in Geelong, obviously, oh, obviously if you're living here? Yep, yep. So mm. uh, I was just up the road at, uh, at Ashby and I was still going and um, spent some time at both uh, Western Heights College as well as the Geelong College uh, through my high school and um, eventually went over to the States and did some university over there um, before finishing up and entering the workforce. Well, yeah, that's interesting. You, you uh, mentioned Western Heights College. I don't know if you're aware, Mark, but I uh, read somewhere recently they've, the AFL have set up a specialised sports academy okay. at Western Heights oh, College. Didn't know that. And going to bring through young scholarship programs for, right. for young kids. So the states. So, what did you did you what did you do? I lost my tongue. What did you do in the states? So, business administration yeah. was my major, um, and I was there pursuing a baseball career as well as a baseball player growing up. And so, um, there was yeah a few different objectives as far as uh, going over there and doing that. One of them being the potential of a baseball career. The other just being travel and experiencing what university overseas is like, as as well as a degree. So, so. which university was it? Travelled around a bit. I started at a what's called a junior college yeah. in uh, Arizona, and then I moved to a um, to a university in uh, Texas called Lubbock Christian University, yeah. and then I finished up at a school called Southern Polytechnic State University. I was in uh, Georgia. So it often happens when uh, you're in sport where you'll move around depending on you know what level you're at. Um, so I'm well. That's an interesting story because. I'm amazed at how many Australian youngsters, I call them youngsters, uh, sort of end of high school sporting potential who are on scholarships in America. Mm. In fact, in our own family, my one of my nieces won a rowing scholarship to University of Michigan. Right, amazing. And she's been back a couple of years now and she um, rowed everywhere and every how and um, came out with her degree in social science, I think, but, uh, but it's majoring in environmental sciences. So we've, we did a podcast with yep. an environmental science, scientist recently, and she's now working a very high-profile job in New mm. Zealand. Great. You know, so, but I keep hearing of young kids on athletic scholarships in, in the States, which is great to hear. For sure. Yeah, we've yeah. got some amazing athletes here. It's good to see that 
kids can go over and compete against some of the best that they've got because sometimes it seems so far away and it seems like such a task that's so large. But I think once you're there, if you're consistent in your practice and you really make a go of it, you can compete. So when did you last pick up a baseball bat? Uh, on well, last night actually. Oh, did you? <laughs> there enough, you go. Yeah, so I'm involved with a club here coaching this year, so oh, that'll that's be good. A, a bit of fun. Yeah, so. so you've kept an interest. Yeah, yeah, it's still great. going. Yeah. What what got you into baseball here or when you were in the states? So I think because my mum is American. When I got involved in baseball at a very young age, it just stuck with me. And so I can always remember being involved in baseball. And I tried lots of other sports along the way, but baseball was one that I kept coming back to that I enjoyed playing. And so all through my life, basically, I was, I was playing baseball. And, and the professional approach? Just highly competitive? What? Yeah, tough to get into. Just wasn't successful in that particular endeavor. Had some great success with my um, pursuits in college in particular, but wasn't successful in attracting um, that interest. So, yeah, that's when I entered the, uh, the workforce. Yeah, cool. And what was your first job? My very first job? Yeah, very first job. Yeah, uh, I think that it was at Futural's Pharmacy. <laughs> delivering prescriptions to folks in Geelong West on, on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> on a bike? Yeah. 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 So I'd load up the backpack and head out all um, down sort of Stubbs Ave way and that sort of area and, uh, yeah, deliver whatever was needed. Well, we interviewed somebody, didn't we, that did a paper round paper and he got paid more because he had the hilly part of the, the paper round. That's right. Did he negotiate for that? Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good on him. So what brought you back from the States then? What was the... So the opportunity to come into business with the family here was really the the driving factor in, in bringing me back. I was pretty settled over there, quite happy. Um, I'd been in the particular role that I was in for sort of four or so years. Uh, that company had grown. We were in digital marketing and advertising space and... So we were in an industry that was getting a lot of interest. Search engine optimization was yep. growing. Facebook yep. was going public. Its advertising platform was opening up. Like we were pretty pretty forward in all that space. And, um, you know, I was enjoying that. But the, the opportunity to come and get involved in a family business probably appealed to me in a few different ways. One of them was the longer I stayed overseas the more I started to feel a sense of disconnection with with the family and so um, you know there was a part of me that felt like I didn't want to be gone forever and at that point there was really no indication of, of coming back here with the business my dad and uncle who had been involved up until then yep. were figuring out what succession for them looks like and so there was a bit of notification that was coming my way to saying, hey, this conversation is happening. We're not too sure what, you know, is going to, um, you know, be the next phase of the business. And so conversations started to progress from there and become more and more serious. And I put on the table that I'd like to have an opportunity to get involved with something that they got the opportunity to. And then that eventually resulted in me coming back. It's, it's good. good, Bill, is it? Because oh, the yeah. number of family businesses we chat to, and we do ask the succession question, and a lot of them don't know. Although, well, that you're, <laughs> at you're least, right. At least your, your, your dad and your, and your uncle were but thinking Cameron, about it. I'm interested in the early history. Did I read correctly that your grand, was it your grandfather or somebody bought an, a block of land? 
yeah. and built a, 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 a retail store on it. Yeah. In fact, and I saw a great photo on your, I think it was on your website or someone else's website of the early days. But that was a bold move in Packington Street in Geelong to get an empty block of land and start a new retail business. So tell us a bit about that journey. Yeah. So the way I understand it, the story of the current store is the one you're referring to in yeah. that that was an empty block. It was built uh, under their instruction and it's always been a menswear store. Like that's yeah. that's what it was. Prior to that though, they occupied, it's either the Geelong Fresh Foods building or the Gasman building, I'm not too sure, but one of them was the Drapery Centre and they had a larger variety of yeah. inventory. And then prior to that, they actually were in the group of shops that's across from the North Geelong train station. There's a two-story house there. It's got a cafe in the ground floor now. I don't know what happens upstairs. But the family moved into that premises first, and that's really where the roots of the business were oh, okay. uh, were started. The family lived above, and then they had the store oh, Yeah, I know below. exactly where that is because it used to You'd be a ho- sure. hotel on the opposite corner. And as a kid, I used to have to deliver drinks there for my father. Uh, <laughs> And that was well. That was too long ago. Yeah, we'll move past that. <laughs> so, and you've recently renovated and upgraded your site. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So we've reduced the size a little bit. We've modified the size is probably the better way to say it. But yeah, we've recently gone through a refurbishment and refit of the of the shop, done a rebrand, brought it much more in line with today's market, which has been really good and. That's been great to get a lot of feedback from folks that have been with us with a long time for a long time and respect that we've been able to hold on to a lot of the core elements that the business is built on, but also just freshen it up and, and make it more relevant with, with what um, people are wanting today. So how have you survived when retail has been through so many ups and downs in recent times? And I know I go back to when my kids were in school in Melbourne, we lived in Kew and I used to... I think I built two houses for Bob Stewart's menswear in Kew. Yeah, right. In, the, in those days, and I, but they're primary school uniforms, of course. But uh, it's it's you know with the demise of retail, why is Mr Brown successful when others haven't been so successful? Yeah, there's a lot of narrative out there around the retail trade in particular, and what's going to be the future of it, and the rise of online shopping, for example. Um, for us, the location has always been something that's been really strong. We're very well supported by a strong community of people that, that live in pretty close proximity and we service those needs and, and that's always been something that foundationally has has really been strong for us. Um, I have to give credit to the folks involved in the business through the mid-90s and so on who established a secondary business in what is called Brown's Corporate Uniforms and we provide embroidery and screen printing and those types of services to businesses who are wanting to make the most of the corporate identity um, outcomes that putting a brand on your employees can provide. So that's helped to keep some additional revenues and stability coming into the organisation, even when retail is going through peaks and troughs and so on. So I suppose diversification is is part of the answer, but customer service is yeah. what we would suggest I think really helps with the, the retention. That's the answer I want to hear. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you also do formal wear, of course, yes. don't you? That's, yep, right. that's right. Yeah, and, yep. of course, that it, it's seasonal Yep. You know, with uh, with all the formals 
to go on. Now, just talking about Packington Street, uh, Mark, it's uh, you and I know the retail, well, I guess the commercial scene in uh, in uh, this regional town quite well. But if you walk up and down Packington Street, as I do every morning at the end of my morning walk, there are no vacancies. Mm. And it's and if yet if you go up to the other main shopping strip, yep. which is High Street, there I I counted twelve vacant shops, and we interviewed young Zara the other day that's opened Little Paco, yeah, and she's also opened the dress shop next door, and Packington Street is booming and it's always booming. In fact, it's so. Busy, you can't even drive down the street now. Yeah, you've got to bypass it to get around. So, what is it about Packington Street? Probably a lot. I, I suggest the the business diversity. I think is something that they've got really right. Uh, there's a great mix of businesses in there, and the businesses are of a high quality. People will often refer to the parking in particular as being easy to access and so on. But I think it's very walkable as well. So the fact that folks can really see a lot of different uh, offers in a short amount of time while being on foot and enjoying a coffee or, or doing what they want to do, I think has uh, has a strong appeal. So I think there's a few factors there that, that really help Packington Street along uh, as far as being as successful as it, um, as it has been. So yeah, it's always been something that um, that I've enjoyed going to, just living close by and so on. It was always great to, to walk to and, and um, and check out the shops. So I think people just really like to, I think it's to a, do Mark, that. Mark, I reckon it's one of the best stories of a strip shopping centre I've come across in many it's years. It's always been a, str- a strong strip yeah. shopping. The, the, the issue becomes, you know, as, as um, councils try to dense up living and so mm. on, how that blends in and because you need that population to, to, to grow. That's right. So, All right, going back to close. So before you do, yeah. um, you're still running or part involved in the Packington Street Traders? Is that Yep, still that's going? right. Yep, still involved in Talk that. Talk a bit about that. Sure, yeah, no worries. I think just on that last point as well, yeah. I think because Packington Street has so many businesses that are owner-occupied, it means that it's a unique offering that can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. What you see when you go to Packington Street, not unlike some other Main Street experiences, but it's a unique one-of-a-kind offering. You can't get that experience anywhere else. And so that instantly creates a sense of flavour and it just happens to be, I think, that the that the shop owners on, on Paco in particular get it right a lot of the time. You know, there's been some really good businesses there and there continues to be. And so that kind of self-perpetuates its reputation and attracts new folks yeah. like the guys at Little Paco and so on that are wanting to... Um, to occupy that space because they've got quality businesses around them and it attracts those people. So, so in your store, Cameron, what's the best-selling item? The best-selling item, or, or I guess, is it an item or is it a group or how do you explain it? I would say it's a category. Suiting, yeah. we're very strong with. Yeah, we, yeah. we do very well with uh, with suiting on the Browns corporate uniform side. Funnily enough, it's medical scrubs. We mm-hmm. do very well with medical scrubs, which took a huge rise during COVID, but it's always been very consistent. But yeah, Geelong is Just a, out of interest, you don't have to answer this. How many suits a year would you sell? I'm not too sure. It um I'd have to have to look into that because to try and give you an accurate answer. I remember answer. when reading a stat, because uh, my in Melbourne years ago used to they'd sell a million suits a year. Yeah, mm. Yeah, you know, mm. of course 
I wore a suit the other day because I went to a funeral. <laughs> now, that's the first time in four years. <laughs> but it's, no, well, that's interesting because I wouldn't have picked suits as the top-selling item. Yeah, yeah, we hire as well so yeah. people can come in and, and hire for their special occasion and that appeals to a lot of people. We do quite well with hire. So that's... Yeah. So with, with um, stepping into the family business, obviously um, your dad and your uncle were running it, you yeah. stepped in. How have you found that transition? Because you've suddenly come from a digital marketing yeah. to bang, you're it. Yeah. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've found it challenging enough to stay interested for sure. Yep. It's um, <laughs> I was pretty naive, I think, in, in coming uh, into the opportunity in thinking that, right, I know all these skills about marketing and advertising business and I can increase demand by whatever because I've been doing it over here and then landing and then having to learn a new industry, learn new team environments and then understand the unique challenges of the particular business uh, meant that by the time we were really ready to start using those skills, those skills were outdated. <laughs> so uh it's been great. It's been the best decision I've probably ever made or one of the best decisions I'd say I've ever made um, because it gives me an opportunity to wake up and contribute to something that I really love doing every day and that I have a strong vision for and, and fulfills me. So how have you been able to blend technology together with that obvious close personal customer service that you need and which you obviously have because of the success of your business? How have you been able to blend in now technology to help improve the business? The, the journey for us is one that required our team to have to learn new skills. We already really had the service part. That was already mm. there by the time I arrived. So I learned that from them, really. So the, the journey has been helping folks who traditionally are very much people orientated, uh, very conversational. They're great at, at solving someone's problem and being very interpersonal while they do it. But then also to translate that into a computer so that our information can reflect accurately what's going on at any single point in time has really been the journey. So lots of training, lots of help, um, lots of exploration into what solutions are out there with helping to make that as easy as possible. Uh, so it's been challenging and it never ends. We're working on things just today that involve integrating new technology into the business. So uh, we feel as if like that's something that's going to be really important for businesses going forward. And um, so we'll try and be at the forefront as much as possible. Do you do much, much online business? No, I wouldn't say we do much online business. We uh, have been working hard on that offering more of late. Uh, we had some some technology in the business that was the software that ran all of our inventory and so on that probably didn't set us up for success in that area. So really getting working in that market meant a more foundational change for the business. We had to go back and really change a few pieces in order to set that up for success, which we've done now, which is good. So so that's getting better and better and, and we're really just getting ready to launch some campaigns that's going to target the fact that We've got a really strong online offering now, um, but as an overall mix, we're, it's still a lot of uh, over-the-counter walk-in business. And Cameron's, because I've got a slight insight knowledge, um, has been really good at thinking laterally, Bill. So um, you can now, at Brands, get your own embroidery done, 
Do you want to chat That's a bit right. about that? Just yeah, so, so we brought that in-house recently. So we've done embroidery for a number of years, but we've worked closely with partners that has helped us with servicing those customers. And so eventually we were looking at the opportunity and the improvements that we can have in our, in our service offering and in our cost structure to bring that in-house. And so we went for it pretty uh, fairly recently. We're only eight months in or so on that particular endeavor. And it's been excellent. We've been really lucky to attract some good talent that's assimilated into the team very well, that's been willing to learn new things and adopt a whole new area um, for us that yeah is um, is proving to be it's really valuable good. for us. So, You got to ask your question? Uh, well, I've got, just thought of another one. Oh, okay. Actually, <laughs> we, we're on the fly here. Yeah. Uh, you've redeveloped your st- store and you've split into two and you're now letting the the other half of the store who probably Geelong's best known and probably best jeweller, mm. has that changed the dynamics of that little part of Packington Street? I think so. I've had a lot of feedback to that extent yeah. as well. Uh, it's it's really pleasing and um, and nice to hear folks say things like, wow, that, that sets a new standard and, and so mm. on, which is just great to... Um, to hear, I suppose. But, yeah, we're very lucky to attract a tenant like Duff's. Um, you know, the whole process working with them and up until getting them launched and so on, it has been really, uh, really good. We've got a bit of a family relationship um, through my dad and, and Ross, one of the um, – he's no longer involved actually directly. I think he's retired. But um, we've had a long-standing relationship with the with the family there and so there was a few different parts that really worked to our favour and helped us to – um, to deliver that vision, so it's been great. And on top of that, just recently, Booper have opened a very nice yeah. eyewear store right across the road. That's right. Yeah, they've opened uh, the up recently. Dynamics are changing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see. It's, I, I I like to see that we've got fresh new things happening that are capturing interest, but keeping the brand of Packing Street in general. And, and back to your original question about the the business association. Um, Keeping that intact is critical. And so bringing new folks into the street while still maintaining that sense of place, uh, it, it's nice to see that that's all happening. So the question that Bill normally asks, yeah. but I'll ask because he hasn't remembered it, is if we had a chat to your staff, what would they describe your leadership style as? And remember, they'll probably listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that is a good question. It's interesting. I think they would describe me as highly organised, I think. I think that they would say Cameron likes a lot of structure, uh, that he likes things that are repetitive, if you like. I like predictable. And so um, I, if, if we were using the, the model of uh, authoritarian, authoritarian uh, laissez-faire and so on, I, I mean, I think it's a mix of everything. I don't, it's hard to try and nail any leader I think down to one particular style because it's context specific right what works in one context doesn't work with the other and so on but um I think they would describe me that way it's a it's a structured workplace there's there's a lot that I ask of them and I'm really grateful to have an amazing team um that that I can really engage with and you know we can talk about greater good and we can talk about why, yes, while we do this menial task that isn't all that attractive to do and it's boring and so on, we can see how it works up into a larger vision and gives us a, a sense of team. So um, I I hope they enjoy working there. I get the well, sense that they do. They're, they're, they're great folks. Mark, I was reacquainted only 
last week with um, the working on your business and not in your business <laughs> scenario for Michael Gerber. Yep. Who uh, and one of the um, the person that actually was going through his workbooks uh, with me were reminiscing about something. Uh, I came across a an article about structure, and of course that's what he was always on. Uh, having structure. So you've mm. got to have structure, but you've got to be flexible mm. at the same time. Uh, so what's your proportion of working on the business and in the business? I try and work on the business as much as possible, personally. I try and equip people with the skills that they need to be able to deliver what's required for the in-the-business stuff. Um, I probably spend somewhere around... Uh, 40% of my time in the business and uh, and the rest working on the business. Um, just depends on sort of what the project is or what's happening at the time. But we've had so much growth as well over the last, you know, I'm referring to the opening up of our uh, of our online offering, assimilating new technology and, and so on. So that's a, that's a huge demand as far as time and energy to get the business changed in, in that way. So it's, it's a massive priority for me and I, I try and do it. That, and that's during a 38-hour work week, right? So that's not included. Hey, who works 38 yeah. hours? Yeah, that's right. So. But the, uh, it never stops. That's right. And retail seven days a week. So. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that your father and your uncle and your grandfather and all this had worked 100% in the business, didn't they? Well, I, Because I, they didn't know any other way. That was, they were, you know, there was no other. My father and my parents were the same. You know, they worked in the factory all the time. They didn't ever go out and sit down and think about forward planning or strategy or, you know, changes. It was just one foot after another for a number of years. Along came the 1990s and mm. changed everything. Right. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with that last part in particular. I give massive credit to both my dad, Peter, and Jim, my uncle, uh, grandfather, to all of the contributions and their amazing team as well. We've been very lucky to to establish teams that have been together for a long time. And so um, I give massive credit to the team that has um, contributed so far and can continues to do today. It's funny that, you know, when we talk about on the business versus in the business, sometimes that line can be so, be so blurred as well, right? Because what... What, what is creating a good relationship with somebody? Is that working in the business or are you setting yourself up for success long term by establishing and fostering a culture that's going to give you return custom and give you good word of mouth? Well, I'm, I'm going to bust Mark's conflict of interest open right here <laughs> because you have engaged Mark to be uh, your, I guess, advisor, yep. but not from a point of view of a daily operation, but from the point of view of which most small and medium businesses miss out on is that you have structured monthly meetings. Yeah. Mark chairs those meetings. That's right. And as a result, you've got some structure mm. and you've got some systems and processes, mm. most of which you're brought into the business. So, yeah, Mark, I'll uh, pat you on the back for, for, <laughs> yeah, for, me too. for that. But that is part of working. That's working sort of on the business and not in it. Yeah, good example. Yeah. And, yeah, my, my thanks extends to Mark for his contributions mm-hmm. as well. It's been amazing to get a third party in the room where previously it was just the family and having a really professional conversation that runs to an agenda and so on <laughs> when it's just the family in the room is um, was challenging for us. <laughs> and I hear it is challenging for us. So, yeah, I, I extend yeah, that cool. thanks to Mark Thank as well. So... 
understanding your mum, Trish, listens to these, mm. where do you see the business in five years? What's, well, your, what's your vision? Where do you see it? So I see us continuing to operate the space that we're in. I see us having a much larger foot in the online market. That's really where we need to be. It's interesting how technology is making its way into retail and what opportunities there are to further bring new technology into the space. For us, looking at opportunities that can take what was previously a very manual sort of an offer, such as fine tailoring, and bringing that into uh, today's age where things can be done with the computer much uh, more easily and, and, and quick, uh, potentially sees us moving into a space where we're offering more customization on garments. I think overall where the industry would love to go to is anything that a consumer can imagine the market can produce and it's not a long lead time. So often you see people coming into browse product and they might have something that they've either seen on the internet or that they've got in their mind and they're looking for it and they're struggling to find it. So solving that problem is a direction that we'd like to move further and further toward and new technologies such as 3D printing and 3D scanning uh, to take body measurements, for example, and create a garment that is really a personalized garment for one person is is potentially something that um, that we can get a, a, a foothold in and, and, and begin to offer. It's pretty exciting, really. There's something called AI, isn't there? Another <laughs> <laughs> conversation. Yeah. So, Cameron, thank you. Of that, course. That was re- really good discussion. Um, so two things. Mr. Brands is located where? 162 Packingham Street, Geelong West. And the website is? MrBrownsMenswear.com.au. Excellent. And if you have got a wedding coming up and want to hire a suit or buy a suit, mm-hmm. go and see them. If you want clothes, go and see them. Mm-hmm. Or if you're about to operate on something, get your scrubs. <laughs> get your scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, Cameron. Of course. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Cameron.